Hey everyone, welcome to MCU Fan Show episode 250. My name is Sean Gerber. In a moment, I'll be joined by Paul Herman so that we can tell you the story of the space Viking, Thor Odinson, and that amazing new trailer. I think it's amazing. We'll find out what Paul thinks. The amazing new trailer for Thor Love and Thunder. Before that, we're going to share our thoughts about the She-Hulk Attorney at Law trailer. And before that, I'm going to remind you all about Fan Show Plus. That is the show that is exclusive to premium subscribers at either patreon.com slash John Gerber or on Apple Podcasts. If you search for Fan Show Plus or the MCU Fan Show channel on Apple Podcasts, you can find it and subscribe there where you can hear us talk about additional MCU topics like a Daredevil Disney Plus series and what's next for some of the major characters involved in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And also coming up very, very soon, you will hear our spoiler reviews for the Obi-Wan Kenobi Disney Plus series. And again, that's Fan Show Plus at patreon.com slash John Gerber or on Apple Podcasts. And if you're enjoying the show, we would greatly appreciate a rating and review from you on Apple Podcasts. Thanks to everyone who has already taken the time to share their thoughts. And make sure you're following us in all those places you can at MCU Fan Show on Instagram and Twitter. For longtime listeners, I probably tripped you up because I swapped the order of those things. Not intentional, but anyway, off we go. How you doing, Paul Herman? Why do we always get these things all at once? I don't get it. I mean, we get like two trailers, we get a big announcement, and I'm just like, this is supposed to be Star Wars week, Sean. I'm supposed to enjoy like Obi-Wan Kenobi coming back and just trying to focus right back in my 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 mindset on Star Wars completely for a little bit. And then all of a sudden Marvel just gives me a lot to talk about so yeah it's uh it's and well but it's just like it's almost overwhelming sometimes where i'm like why well, can't you just space it out a little bit more but that's just me it's a lot which is not a bad thing but no, no, at no. the same time it feels like there's so much room on the calendar and yet everything is being jammed into such a relatively short period of time but that's why you know it's early enough in the week that we can get through this and share our marvel thoughts and then turn our attention to Star Wars before inevitably turning our attention back to Marvel because mm -hmm. even though we have a little bit of a break right now between Moon Knight and Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, it's not going to last long. We have Miss Marvel on June 8th, and then we have Thor Love and Thunder on July 8th, and then on August 17th, we have She-Hulk. So it's a big, big summer, spring slash summer for Marvel Studios, for the MCU, and it is overwhelming, but I won't complain about it anyway, just observing the point that it's overwhelming. But let's talk about that She-Hulk trailer, Paul, because there's been a lot that's already been said about this trailer. And the reason I want to talk about this trailer, I'll be honest, I want to end on a high note, talking about the Thor Ooh. Love and Thunder trailer. And that's not to say that the She-Hulk trailer is bad. There's really only one aspect of the trailer that I think is bad, and I think a lot of you probably already know what I think is bad, because I objectively it kind of is, but, well, I'll just call it out. Why, why talk around it? It's the CG for She-Hulk, right? And I feel like maybe we can get this out of the way now and then focus on the positive, so if you don't want to hear the criticism of the trailer and you just loved it Best totally... Forward. Yeah, go ahead and hit that skip button for a little bit, and we'll see where you end up. If we're still complaining, then just keep skipping. But I thought this CG was was rough, but I also want to say this up front about this before we 
offer these criticisms about the CG in the She-Hulk trailer. Any criticism I have of this is not directed at, aimed toward the VFX houses, the VFX artists, vendors, and, and anything like that. I don't think the result that we are seeing on the screen is a result of any lack of talent or effort on their part. I think what we see is the best that these folks were capable of based on the limited time and money that they were probably given to accomplish something that the studio wanted them to accomplish for a Disney Plus series. I think that's where we're at. And I'm not totally shocked that this is where we're at with the CG being, let's call it spotty at best for She-Hulk in this trailer. I'm not totally shocked because I was surprised when we saw the casting choice of Tatiana Maslany, and this is not to be critical of her. She's awesome in Orphan Black. I love her couple of appearances on Parks and Recreation. She is an amazing and very, very funny when she has the opportunity to be actor. I think she's awesome and so excited about her as Jennifer Walters. But the reason why I was a little surprised by the casting choice is it meant that She-Hulk was going to have to be entirely CG because they didn't necessarily go with an actor who might be able to just wear green makeup and then use CG when you want She-Hulk to be extra She-Hulked out. That's the, the, that was the surprise for me because I just didn't expect that on a Disney Plus budget, even though these shows are very expensive, with CG reaching the level that it has with and the expectations where the bar has been set for us in the MCU with character for performance capture, things like Thanos or like Hulk, uh, especially Smart Hulk in Avengers Endgame, that level of where we've seen this and that being where the bar is set for these characters for us, I knew that a Disney Plus series would never get the amount of time and money it would take to achieve that. So I was just wondering, how close can they get? And it turns out not that close at all, really. And again, that's not aimed at the VFX houses. I have no doubt that these are very, very talented, hardworking artists who are putting in long hours to do this and, and everything like that, but there's still only so much time and money that's being spent by Disney as the and, and Marvel Studios as the clients on this to put together this project. And I think the resources were just, they, uh, you know, they were just too limited for what this show was really hoping that it could achieve. And I just don't think they got there. And I know that a lot of people have been saying over the past week or so that the trailer's been out, well, they still have three more months. They still have three more months. Three months is kind of nothing at this point. And mm. remember when we saw the last trailer, and probably wasn't the last one because there's a million extended TV spots and all, the, all of that stuff these days, but there was the second big trailer for Eternals in August of last year, although it was late August for a movie coming out in early November. So it wasn't quite three months, two, two and a half months, whatever it was. I didn't think the Deviants looked great. And I was hoping that by the time we saw the final film that they would look better and they didn't. They looked the same as they did in that trailer because as you get closer in the final months of a project, it's not really as much time as you think it is. And also, just because there's more time doesn't mean there's more money to make use of that time. And so you're still dealing with a finite amount of resources, whether it's time or money or both. And... They put this trailer out knowing what it looks like, right? They can see it. They know what this looks like, and they still decided to put this out, which suggests to me that this is 
as good as it's going to get or almost as good as it's going to get. And it breaks my heart in a way because a lot of the the rest of this trailer, I think, looks like it could be a perfectly good show with She-Hulk attorney at law that that captures the vibe of the comics, whether you're looking at the Charles Soule run, or there's certainly a lot of Dan Slott influence in here with this series and, and as is evidenced by what we see in this trailer. And all of that stuff, I'm here for it. And the performance by Tatiana Maslany as Jennifer Walters, as well as what we're seeing from Mark Ruffalo as her cousin, the Hulk, all of that is working. It's just right at the center of it. Here's this CG She-Hulk that is completely falling flat. And it's just really disappointing because I feel like it's just destined to take away from what could otherwise be a perfectly good series. Yeah, I'm kind of torn. Because I'm with you, Sean. I mean, everyone, it's jarring. Now, I'm the last person to know anything about CGI houses and special effects. The little I know is is honestly through Star Wars. And, and, I'm, and I'm even thinking about it from the you know live action perspective. I'm thinking of like the Clone Wars perspective. Um, and one of the things that they used to talk about was the models they had, they built out over time. Right. So like for Clone Wars, uh, they had built out all these different models and, you know, they started off with nothing. Right. There was there was very little resources they had and built into their system. But as they went on, they were able to build off of everything. Right. And so when it, when they went and did Rebels, which is a completely different thing, they had to do the same thing and build up the resources over time. And it, and it looked better and better and better. Just off, not just because of like uh, the actual people, but the you know surroundings and things like that. But my my whole point is this: is that if you look at the trailer, in my opinion, I think the Hulk looks fine himself. Mm-hmm. She Hulk doesn't, but I think a big part of that is because they're starting from complete scratch. Yep. On the character, and that to me is what the problem is going to be. And and like you said, I do feel there's going to be some. It might look a little better because I like you thought deviants for the most part looked the same, but I thought they looked a little more detailed, a little bit. Maybe, but it wasn't maybe a huge leap. It's not like we're going to go from She-Hulk yeah. looking the way she does in this trailer to agree end game level effects. No, no, agree, agree. So one of the things I, I I want, I'm wondering the lighthearted tone might actually help the show a little bit. To be honest, as far as accepting, a, you know, the She-Hulk character. So I don't know. There's there's a lot here that I think that I understand everyone's criticism. I didn't love it. But at the same time, I just I don't know. I, I, I really liked what we what we saw for the most part. And I'm kind of I'm a little apprehensive about some of the, you know, the ideas of, of incorporating this really lighthearted She-Hulk, you know, uh, aspect of, you know, from the comic books that they're bringing into this character. And I'll be honest, after watching it, I'm like, you know, this is actually perfect. This is maybe the a perfect show for Disney Plus in some respects because of the tone that you can get kind of serious, but it's so lighthearted that I think that a lot of people will enjoy it because it is a little bit of a different idea. And I think this is a great starting point for the character too, because people will get familiar and get used to her. And then as they build off of her, um, you know, CGI going forward, so just get better and better and better like the Hulk does and we'll accept it and we'll just kind of get, you know, get used to the fact. And I think we're going to be okay with it. And we'll look back and go, yeah, it doesn't look as good, but that show was good. I feel the show has given me already in the trailer enough charm that it might just 
over, you know, I might overlook the bad CGI. Cause I'll be honest. I was at first a little jarring. I was like, ugh, and then I'm like, this is kind of bad. But as the show went on, I'm like, okay, like you just, you get kind of used to it. So I feel that maybe that's what they're kind of hoping for. I mean, obviously what they're hoping for, but I also wonder if they're really legitimately like, okay, this actually could work given the context of the show and everything. Um, cause like you said, we don't know how great it's not gonna look that much better between now and then. But what I also wonder too, is this give them more reason with, with the outcry? Cause it hasn't, it's been predominantly criticized for the most part, as far as the CGI, you know, but you know, I haven't seen a, a lot of other things besides that, but just mostly the CGI. Right. So I would think, could you see it be pushed? Or would that be a sign of weakness from Marvel at the same time? Like, oh, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, I wonder if it was that bad, they might even consider pushing it out. So I don't think that's of, I don't think that's going to happen because I agree. They I agree. they set a date and they put this trailer out knowing what this looked like. They can see it, too. And we don't typically see Marvel putting stuff out that looks quite this suspect, especially with a story that clearly is going to rely so much on CG that really just isn't working all that well. And so if they're putting this out and setting a date for August 17th, like they knew what it looked like when they put it out. Yeah. I don't think they would really be surprised by a negative reaction to this CG. And that tells me that they're going to put it out because they've spent the money that they're going to spend and a little more that they were probably already scheduled to spend to finish this show because, of course, there are more shots than just the ones that we see in the trailer. And that's that's the time and money that they have allotted for it. Even if you push it out, that means you have to, in order to improve this, invest a lot more money into the show. And it's harder to do that. And going back to that Eternals example we didn't necessarily see a lot of improvement in those final months because we were mostly looking at a movie that was finished. Remember, they had that movie made and had to sit on it for a long time because of the pandemic. And so it gets to a point where just because you have more time for something doesn't mean you have more money to make use of that time. It's not unlimited. And with a movie, you're at least going to get, if you go for that route, you might get a direct benefit of if the effects are better, Maybe we'll make more money at the box office. There is no more money at the box office for a Disney Plus series. And so the equation that they try to figure out, it becomes that much more complicated. How many more extra subscribers on Disney Plus or how much is this going to contribute to the retention of Disney Plus subscribers and discourage churn if we invest more money into this She-Hulk CG Probably not that much. There's probably not that much to be gained by spending more money on this show because you're not necessarily going to add subscribers who aren't already subscribing because they love the MCU. For anybody where the MCU is the main reason they subscribe, they're going to subscribe regardless of She-Hulk. And for that same audience, they're not going to give up on Disney Plus just because She-Hulk is a disappointment or the CG is disappointing if the rest of the show seems okay. And they enjoy and they've enjoyed the other Marvel Studios series that they've been treated to on Disney Plus so far. So I just don't really unfortunately, this stuff, it is a business, and these are for-profit commodities that are being made, and that doesn't mean there can't be art in there as well. You all know I strongly believe that there is, but there are still business decisions that are made as well. And this is one, I think, for She-Hulk, and this is just where it's ended up. I would love nothing more than to be totally wrong about this. And they push the show 
or they pull off some miracle in the last few months and we get a She-Hulk that is that looks dramatically better than what is in this trailer. I'm just not going to expect that for all the reasons that I've stated why I don't uh, I don't expect that. And speaking of the pandemic, that's another factor here that again is outside of the control of the VFX houses and even the studio as well. So this is something that's not necessarily Disney or or Marvel Studios fault or anything like that. The pandemic has also impacted this. If you look across the board in movies and shows, CG isn't quite what it's been and quite at the level that we've come to expect. There's even some sketchy stuff in Moon Knight that we called out. And so some of these things aren't quite up to the level that they used to be. And VFX houses, like every other industry out there and every other part of the entertainment industry, they have been impacted by COVID. And so that causes uh, that causes a lot of issues, and, and ultimately the net result, through no one's actual fault, um, causes a result that isn't quite what we have come to expect. So I try to be as understanding and forgiving about this as I possibly can be. And again, I don't hold this against any of the VFX houses or the artists or anything like that because they're working incredibly hard to do the absolute best they can with the resources that they are given. And you can certainly go and look up a lot of articles, no shortage of articles about just how much pressure VFX houses are under and the amount of hours that people work and for not enough pay and all of those different things that happen to try and pull off miracles for studios that don't provide enough time and money to achieve these things. So I'm not holding them responsible for this at all, but I will try and find a way to enjoy this show. And the trailer is giving me some things that provide some hope that I might be able to enjoy this series. I like the tone of this series. This fits yeah. with what I think is cool about She-Hulk comic books, what I think does a great job, big Hulk fan, historically, for my Marvel fandom. And one of the things I always liked about She-Hulk and She-Hulk comic books when I read them is how much they differentiated themselves from Bruce Banner Hulk comics. Because Bruce Banner Hulk comics are have a darker, more trauma-based, tortured approach to the monster within of Bruce Banner and the Hulk. And I love that stuff. But I don't, if you're going to have another character be a Hulk, like Jennifer Walters with She-Hulk, I don't want that all over again. I like to see how somebody else's experience can be different. And I do think that this show does a really good job of highlighting that. For example, when we see, uh, when we see the Hulk talking to her about, you know, these are, these are triggered by anger and fear, and Jennifer Walters going, well, paraphrasing a bit here, that's just like the baseline existence of a woman every single day. I love that line, but it, I love the line because I think it's it's smart, it's a good quip, it's funny, but it also speaks to her approach to this being very different and how she doesn't tap into that anger just because there's a danger that's presented to her. It's almost until the, the last second where it has to become a reflex for her to become She-Hulk. And because it, it was cut so close, that's why she's so pissed, understandably, at Hulk, who's very much got the, uh, I see this as an absolute win energy for time travel that he had in Avengers Endgame. So all of that, I totally loved. I, I like the dynamic between you know her at the law firm, which is very Dan Slott, with we're opening up yeah. a new superhero division, you're going to be the face of it. All of that stuff is cool, the relationships with her friends, and I like the teases of the other MCU stuff that's a part of it. Like now, just from this trailer alone, we get more context. We knew that Emil Blonsky, Tim Roth as Emil Blonsky slash Abomination, we knew that he was going to be part of the series that was already announced. But to see how that fits and actually how it links directly with what we saw 
in Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, where he's in a cell that looks very much like the one he went back to after his fight with Wong, uh, which also explains Wong showing up, or Benedict Wong being in the press release, is also going to be a character who appears in this series. And knowing that we're going to get some of that relationship between Bruce Banner and Jennifer Walters, and also pleasantly surprised, by the way, speaking of CG, that we're going to get CG Hulk in She-Hulk. I was starting to think, mm-hmm. because of that mid credit scene from Shang-Chi, that we were just going just gonna to get Mark Ruffalo Banner. But no, Hulk is still present in this series. And I do think you're right that part of the reason why Hulk can look better in this series is there's no time spent on R&D figuring, figuring out how the Hulk is supposed to look. They have a ready-made mm-hmm. model from Endgame that this is how Hulk looks right now. This is what we're going to go with. And that saves time and money that can be devoted to just making sure, not figuring out how he's going to look, but that's all figured out. Just make him, just take that model and make it look as good as he can uh, in these shots. You know, I'm, I'm going to say this because I, I, I've been watching this trailer over and over again, and there's certain shots that are better than others. And I think the lighting could be had something to do with it. But all that being said, I, I'm, I'm more, after watching it a ton more right now, I'm, I feel better about it. If that makes any sense. Um, but I'm going to say this too, that barring this CGI, you know, I have said before, everything, everything is working for me. I think Jennifer Walters is, you know, Maslani looks amazing as Jennifer Walters and she Hulk. I think she's got the character down 1000%. Like that's one thing that I want to make sure that's very clear. Like everything that like, she's doing as Jennifer Walters, Jennifer Walters has been undermined for many, many years. They've kind of brought her back a little more pre- prevalent in the last, you know, I'd say five or 10 ish years. Um, that being said, she has been mainly the, the, the main focus, obviously, and rightfully so. But Maslani, I think has nailed that characterization 1000%. And uh, I'm not the biggest She-Hulk fan in a sense. Uh, you know, I've, I've read a number of her comics, and I like I like her as a character. But I'm not like you know, and I go out and run and have a huge She-Hulk run. I have a few things here and there. Um, but for me, when I read her in, in Fantastic Four, the Burns Fantastic Four, which is my my favorite comic runs ever, and she's fantastic in it. Um, and she nails that character, so I want to make that very clear. Like I'm very excited for this for that reason. You know, for me. Also, I think from the greater, more of the lore, mythology, world-building sense of, of the MCU, Sean, I think this is going to be an important um, story and kind of groundwork a little bit. Uh, because one thing that we haven't really gotten that this, uh, this side of the MCU is the smaller heroes. Like, you know, in the comic books, when you're reading, you start reading comics when I was a kid, you'd get the Spider-Mans, you know, all this stuff. But there's always those different layers of heroes, right? And and this, we don't really have that. We have, like, Moon Knight's been gone for, you know, has been unknown for so long, and now he's been unearthed. Or, you know, whatever. Enter you know, Eternals, whatever, right? But with the Marvel Universe, and, the, you know, I say the OG 616 universe, there's tons of... Like, F-listers and Z-listers and just, you know, the Great Lakes Avengers and, uh, to, and I'm going to bring up my boy Frogman. My yeah. boy Frogman. <laughs> that was the in, text that you sent to me was Frogman in the MCU. Wow. And I want to make people know the character Frogman, he's, you, know, you won't miss him. He's, 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 in, he's in the shot. He's doing a little fist thing. He's been, and I am not bullcrapping you right now. He's always been a favorite character of mine. I'm looking at the Marvel Legends figure right now. That not I did not just buy that this week, people. I bought that last year, <laughs> and I am staring at the uh, we're not, oh, they're not staring at it. it's in here somewhere on my spinner rack. I had the first appearance of Frogman. I interviewed uh, the writer J- J.M.D. Mateus, and who created the Frogman 
about, and he loves him, and I love him. Um, I, I love the character. And when I saw him on screen, I about peed my pants because I never once thought we'd get that. And I, I love it. And he looks great. I, he's a great representation and, uh, you know, uh, you know, translation from page to screen. He's it's, it's perfect. Um, but I bring that, I, I could go for hours about Frogman. I'm not going to, I'm not going to bore you all with that. I'm sorry. I know a lot of you are probably bored me already, but whatever. I love you still. Um, the thing is, I think this is going to be important, Sean, because one of the things we haven't really seen in the MCU is that aspect of these smaller, dorkier, or lesser-known characters that are still fighting crime that we don't see. And one thing that She-Hulk has always done, and I think some of the better comic books, either in Marvel and DC, in the big two, is these when they really they go into deeper of these characters and these and the and the the lore, and they bring these characters and kind of make something of them. I know Dan Slott's She-Hulk run was all about that. You know, there's tons of runs that do that, and they take these you know C-listers, D-listers, you know, whatever listers, and they actually make them you know somewhat interesting characters more than what they are at that point, and. I think that one, and again, that the, but they're establishing now that there are other heroes besides like the main ones in the films, right? We're actually going to get that idea of other people becoming superheroes or supervillains and these smaller time characters. So I think you're, we're actually opening up the world a little bit, which I think, you know, when you look at like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., that was almost, it felt like they were trying to do that, but they never could. This feels like the first time we're going to get that opening of the MCU, if you will, of all kinds of different characters. Because now with with after Endgame and the, the heroes have been around for a while, it makes sense to have these lesser known characters, even lesser, lesser known characters start lurking around. And I'll, fin- I'll finish on this, that there's a lot of great stuff that they're introducing here because you've got the abomination, you know, intro- reintroduction. You also have, which I'm assuming her rumors of, but we pretty much confirmed that the wrecking crew is in this. I and mean, then that about like Titania, Titania. I mean, we're going to get a lot of stuff. I feel like she Hulk is almost going to be the vehicle to really lay a lot of groundwork coming up for the MCU. Not like groundwork of like, this is phase four centric, but like, really like the layer of the world the world is at this moment with superheroes and kind of what's going to be in for like, you know, bad guys and introduce different aspects of that. I feel that this is going to be like the, the ground floor, if you will, to kind of, to, you know, build off of that from the story aspect. So that's just my impression. I'm curious if I'm right, but, um, everything I'm looking, I I like everything. CGI is questionable. There's no doubt, but the tone is there. The characterization is there. And I think it's, it's enough for me to overlook it at this point, but it remains to be seen if it, if it succeeds at this point, but right now I'm, I'm in the middle. Yeah, it may be tough with the CG when you're watching an entire episode of it, but we'll see. Or maybe we will become desensitized to it and just accept it and, and roll with it. And I'm hoping and that. that's it. And we'll suspend our disbelief as difficult as it may be. We will find a way. But I totally agree with you about all of that and, and the potential for this show to really expand things in the MCU. If nothing else, expand the roster of the MCU in such a rapid fire way that we just haven't really had a chance to see. And what I also like about this show and what I think this tone allows the series to do is it doesn't necessarily have to find the way to take every single one of these characters like your dear Frogman and try and make them seem cool or find the way that makes them seem 
real or realistic. Not that the MCU has ever been overly preoccupied with that. I think they've done a good job of finding the balance with each character, but I like that with the quite obviously comedic tone that they are taking with this series, which is very true for the character. And even in the comic books, She-Hulk comics, solo comics have had irreverent tones that have kind of been able to wink at some of this stuff and go ahead and have not necessarily laugh at it, but laugh with it a little bit. And even when it's not necessarily about laughing, just allowing these characters who are on the D-list, F-list, Z-list within the Marvel canon to have a place to shine, even if it's only for a moment, because there is a lot of this stuff that's silly, and there have been so many characters that have been created, I mean, thousands and thousands of characters in the Marvel canon that they can pull from in the MCU, and some of them are just perfect for this series and giving them a chance to shine. It kind of reminds me really more of what we've seen in the animated field, like we've seen with Batman the Brave and the Bold, for people who remember that wonderful show from like a decade and a half ago, or more recently, the Harley Quinn animated series from DC Universe, now an HBO Max series, where because that one is a, a lot more comedic in tone, that it has all of these different characters that normally don't get much of a chance to shine in live action or animated adaptations of some of these comic book characters. And they can just go in and be as crazy and ridiculous and wild as they want to be. And I feel like She-Hulk in live action is going to afford the MCU that opportunity and so many of those characters the opportunity to shine in the MCU. It almost feels like even with the approach to this series, which is rooted in the comic books with the the premise of this series, a, a law firm setting up a superhero division that's Dan Slott, She-Hulk comic books, and then of course She-Hulk and like the Charles Soule run with her private practice still dealing with a, a lot of these similar things. It almost reminds me of, even though this is now made by a totally different group of people, so I don't really think it's the same thing at all, but it is almost reminiscent of what could have been had there actually been a damage control series. For those who will remember the history of Marvel Television 1.0 that began with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., there was at one point going to be a damage control comedy series. It never really got off the ground. It just went away. And then, of course, we eventually started seeing damage control uh, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe in the movies. And this is not damage control that we're seeing with She-Hulk, but this is kind of the spirit of it, where you're going to see some of the serious, but also semi-serious, but also just kind of silly impacts of a world that is overrun with superheroes and supervillains. I think She-Hulk has an opportunity to explore that in ways that are really, really funny and entertaining, and also with lots of heart and finding ways to be uh, very meaningful as well. So I still like a lot of the creative potential of this series, and when it comes to the CG, I'll just go ahead and hope for the best. I don't feel like, though, I have to hope for the best with Thor Love and Thunder. I feel like I can expect the best based on, well, the resume of everybody involved in this with Taika Waititi, with everything he did with Thor Ragnarok, bringing it all back, and then some with Thor Love and Thunder and the tremendous momentum that this character has enjoyed and now this franchise is enjoying from, as I said, Thor Ragnarok in Phase 3. I mean, I still like the first two Thor movies, but with Thor Ragnarok and what happened with Thor in Infinity War and Endgame, riding high going into this movie, and it just seems like the good times are going to keep on rolling for this franchise and this set of characters 
I absolutely loved this trailer. And for so many reasons, Thor Love and Thunder has been uh, greatly anticipated by myself and by a lot of fans. There are story points that we expect in this movie that I'm not going to get into here in this trailer reaction, because as I said, it's been talked about publicly, but it's not part of these trailers. And I don't want to assume that everybody's read all the same articles or read all the comic books. So I'm going to leave some, some of that stuff out and just let it be a surprise for people who are listening to this and still just plan to watch the movie and don't want to read up on, on anything ahead of time. There's a lot of very emotional, very impactful story points that we expect to be part of Thor Love and Thunder. And I'm so glad that they're saving that because that is the meat of the story um, is a lot of stuff that I, I just think we're intentionally not being shown in these Thor Love and Thunder uh, in, in these Thor Love and Thunder trailers so far, but what they are showing us is just so cool and so wildly entertaining with Korg telling the story of the space Viking Thor Odinson to these kids, and we see more of what Thor's been going through, his struggles, his challenges, the identity crisis or midlife crisis, as I think Taika had put it in an interview, um, of figuring out what his path is going to be, and we covered a lot of that in our reaction to the very first Thor Love and Thunder teaser trailer. So anybody who missed that show can go back and, and listen to what we were, had to say then. But I think all of this looks so incredibly cool. And Natalie Portman as the mighty Thor, as Jane Foster, it's just perfect. It's one of the best costume adaptations that we've ever seen from page mm -hmm. to screen in the MCU or any other comic book movie franchise. It's just phenomenal. And her performance in this is great so far. Tessa Thompson as Valkyrie just continues to be magic. And we got our first look in this trailer at Christian Bale as Gore the God Butcher. And I'm so glad they let him keep his nose and they didn't do the Voldemort thing because as much as I like that look from the comic books, I love that when we get a, a clean shot of Christian Bale that he looks kind of like Christian Bale. Granted, he's covered in all of that makeup, but what we were so excited about when Christian Bale was cast and then finding out that he was Gore the God Butcher is we just... He's one of the best actors working today, uh, one of the best actors who's been working for a lot of days, a lot of years, and he just carries so he has such an incredible presence and he just right away automatically, not automatically, I mean it's not that it's a skill that he has and that he's developed, but he just brings so much weight to it cuz we don't get a ton of gore the god butcher in this, but what we get with him talking about the only thing gods have ever cared about is themselves. And when he's talking about taking out all of the gods, you just feel this guy's story, even though you, we won't get it until we see the actual movie, or I hope we don't get it until we see the actual movie. There is just such a strong presence there and seeing him go toe to toe with Valkyrie, as we see in the trailer, or Thor, as we're seeing in the trailer. I just can't wait to see how this movie is going to unfold. There is so much fun to be had here and so many huge, like just belly laughs that we're going to get from this movie. But it is also going to have so much heft, so much heart. I have just immensely high expectations for Thor Love and Thunder. And this trailer just took my uh, my stratospheric expectations and just hitched a ride on Stormbreaker and just shot him to the moon. And, and, you know, and the next moon after that and the next moon after that. I was so it, it, I love that first Ragnarok trailer. It blew me away how much I love that. And I, I could not wait to see it. And I felt very much the same way with this trailer. It just kind of, it looks like such a, a great time. It embraces, I think, the best aspects of what I think makes Marvel Comics great, which is the colorful, 
ridiculousness, the ridiculousness um, that can go either way, where it could be so super over the top cheesy camp that's fun to like super dark stuff with you know Gore the God Butcher. Like you can you know you can and you can interchange both of them, Sean, very you know seamlessly because you've established that in these worlds of the comic books and and I'm, I'm talking about within you know, any medium but I think the comics are kind of showed you can you can do that which is hard to do or it's harder to do in film when you have a master I think of directing like Taika and I say that very I want being serious I love Taika's director I've seen him but most of his movies and I love all of them uh he gets drama he gets comedy and I think he's able to balance that so beautifully that it's really impressive. And I think in this is that's more evident to me in this trailer than ever is that you talk about that heft, which I'll talk about the fun stuff here in a second, but there's so much that's going to happen in this movie on, on both the, you know, on all sides, I feel. And it's really cool to see that I think given to us. And I think the stuff with Jane, you know, I'm going to loosely kind of talk about a little bit, not a little bit, but you know what I mean? I'm going to dance around it, but like Molnir, like what does that mean exactly? How it's all pieced together and how it's, you know, why does Jane have it? Like I started thinking about that stuff and I'm like, man, there's a lot like this, that yeah. heft right there, Sean, we both know what, what, you know, kind of what that means. And, how why how how was she able to get Molnir together? That there's a, a I'm really fascinated how because in the comic books that's not really what happened necessarily. But how does that happen with you know her in in the you know the MCU six sixteen universe? I'm fascinated because we all know it was destroyed. So it's just really really fascinating how they're going to tell these stories and how that 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 will tie into the, her character and why she is Thor is fascinating. I'm super excited. Gore the God Butcher, you know his story. And Christian Bale playing him and, and, and some of these great lines we're already getting uh, getting in this movie, in this trailer. It's really impressive. And the fact you're going from like super over the top cheesy, and I say cheesy in the best way possible, it's super, you know, ridiculous over the top fun to like some really sense, you know, some really dark, interesting moments of the black and white aspect. So just what Tyke is doing, I think, on a thematic level and also, you know, just being able to weave so many different tones into this movie already in the trailer is super promising. And I, I like everybody else, I am over the moon and over this trailer. I, it was funny. I, I, someone was complaining about that big giant helmet that uh, yep. Thor had on. And, and, I, and look, they say it looks ridiculous. I, I, it's fine. You know, and I just said, you know, people are like, what is this? You know, it looks ridiculous. It looks ridiculous. I'm like, yeah, it's supposed to kind of look ridiculous. It's it's like because in the comics, it's like this big armored thing. And it's just it, it, it just I don't know. I, I love I love the contrast. And I'm not trying to point out like it's on the comics. Duh. Like it, I think it's more it symbolizes just how ridiculous everything is. And I love that. But it also looks in, in contrast to Jane. Right. And how rad she looks. So I almost feel it was done on purpose. So there's so many different things going on in this trailer that, that like Taika just gets it. And I'm not sure if he read the comics, he's a fan of the comics, or he's a latecomer, or I don't know. Either way, he gets what makes these, I think, characters and these worlds work. And it's so put on display in this that it's just, it's going to be a really fun time. And I can't wait to see it. Um, you know, we'll break down more. But yeah, I think this... It's weird they've gotten these trailers so sh you know so so short in between each other. But either way, I've seen enough. I don't need to see any more. I'm ready to see this movie tomorrow. Um, I can't wait. It's gonna be a rad time. Yeah, I feel like I I'm still going to keep following the account so I get my notifications when tickets go on sale. But after that, I'm muting you, Marvel Studios. 
because of what you did to a lot of us with Multiverse of Madness. You're not going to Multiverse of Madness me again with Thor Love and Thunder, which I don't think they're actually going to do. And maybe that's me giving them too much credit based on... Well, it shouldn't be too much credit. I mean, there was a time when, uh, in the time of Space Vikings with Thor Odinson, back when that Thor was worthy, um, there was a time when we didn't get things just so mercilessly spoiled for us in official marketing materials. And hopefully we're getting back to that and maybe lessons were learned for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Not that it cost them any money. The movies made a ton of money. So I, I don't really know, but I, I'm hoping they don't spoil much more than, than what they've shown here. I, I think what they have here is is perfect. It's catching the vibe of this. And this is what people want and like about Thor. And it's not to say that the more dramatic things that we expect to be part of this film, that they don't matter. They totally do. But I think it's great when you can catch people by surprise. And the best MCU example that I can think of with that is Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Which totally marketed itself on the crazy cosmic fun. And then it opens with that scene where Peter Quill loses his mom. And all of a sudden you realize, oh, wow, I'm in for so much more than I expected here. And some of this is going to be hard and some of this is going to be uncomfortable, but it's going to allow me to relate to it because we all relate to some of these, uh, many of these subjects that are very, very difficult and these challenges that so many face uh, in life. And so there's that part of it where you connect. And then when you when you laugh, when you have that fun, it means that much more because your connection to the characters, to the stories is so much stronger, and I, I think there's really, I think something beautiful is about to happen in Thor Love and Thunder, and I mean, I think for Jane, but I think also for Thor and, and his journey, which we talked about in our reaction to the first teaser trailer, I think the whole idea of this character having to figure out what his path is and feeling liberated by not having a path, but then eventually what feels like freedom then becomes its own burden of feeling of of all that worry of whether or not you're really doing something that is meaningful to you, whether or not you're fulfilling any sort of purpose yeah. with the Aimless. time that you're given. And of course, with Thor, hey, as guardians are given, a, a, you know, about 4,900 more years than we're given plus and, and then some. Right. So um, it's so much more time to either make use of and make meaningful or to waste. And so I think that is something that is going to drive Thor's story in this and what he will learn about and what we will learn about Jane and her story in this, I, I think is going to make it that much more clear to him um, and, and just how precious all of it is. So uh, there's so much here that they are not showing us. And, and I hope they don't because I and, and I would love to. And that's part of the reason I'm not talking specifically about these plot points. And I know we've talked about it in a previous episode. So if you haven't heard them and you're curious, you can go back or you can read the the Mighty Thor run from Jason Aaron. It's good. And and know more about uh, Jane's story. It, it's and it's just incredible. But if uh don't feel pressured to do that. I mean, definitely catch up and read it after you see the movie, but if you want to yeah. if you want to let this movie hit you in a way that that you don't expect, uh by all means, go for that and and try to stay as unspoiled as you can going into uh July 8th when when this movie lands. Um I think there's just so much cool stuff here and, and so much fun to be yeah. had. Look, um, I, I guess beauty is in the eye of the beholder, but I love that blue and gold armor. It's amazing. I certainly recall it from the Walt Simonson run. I think it's been around yeah. in other spots, but 
in the Walt Simonson run, it was because of a curse that Hela had put on Thor. Like he couldn't heal. Like he became very mortal and yeah. his bones would break. So he needed this armor. I don't really think that is necessarily what's going on, but it could be, right? Like Gore the God Butcher is a guy who, and in fact, it would be kind of interesting, right? And it would only be mm -hmm. fair. Because, yep, I was gonna say the same because thing. Hela got to use Gore the God Butcher's, you know, necromancy weapon powers necromancy. in Ragnarok. It would only be fair that Gore yeah. the God Butcher, the Gore the God Butcher, would be able to put a curse on Thor that would make him uh, perhaps mortal and mm -hmm. uh, create a need for uh, a stronger armor, like what we see there with the blue and gold suit. With which also, and I know this is the key point for Paul because uh, Paul's my buddy and I and I love him and I know him. <laughs> the freaking helmet, man. You I know. A, you get a helmet for Thor, and and you've won with Paul. Like there, there doesn't have yep. to be anything else in this movie. It could be like yep. uh, you could get the Marvel Studios logo. It could be Dark World. Thor's helmet, post credit scene, and Paul's good. So yep. like, like, I'm, be, I'm fulfilled. You know, look. And even I'm excited to see a Thor helmet because the only thing that's gotten less screen time in the MCU than a Thor helmet is Moon Knight. So like I really, really was excited to see it, <laughs> and good. I I love the blue and gold armor. Um, it's such a cool look, and yeah, if you're wondering where it ca came from, it's from the comics. Now, will that change your opinion if you think it just looks ridiculous? Probably not, but there no. is a basis for it. It came from somewhere. That's not Marvel Studios freelancing, and it's also the kind of thing that I love about Taika Waititi and his approach to these things is he loves it all, man. He loves how heartfelt, how meaningful these stories can be, how emotional they can be, but he also just loves how cool this stuff looks. And the way he showcases that in his Marvel movies, um, it really it really shines. And, and I think he, he puts it in the best possible light with the way a lot of this stuff looks. I mean, all the Kirby stuff that's all over Thor Ragnarok, plenty more here, but also stuff that you're pulling from everywhere, from Jason Aaron's run, from Walt Simonson's run. It's all there, and he's putting it all on the screen and, and honoring it so beautifully and just making it a, a showcase for all of these things. And, and I just, I love Taika for that. I love these movies for that with Ragnarok, and, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to really just love the hell out of Thor Love and Thunder. Mm -hmm. And I, I think, and there's just, there's so many other cool things happening here. Like, I also like, though, by the way, that the movie's not going to make a total meal out of Thor finding out that Jane is the mighty Thor seems like that's going to happen fairly early on. Cause there's yeah. plenty of the story where they're together and she's unmasked. I'm a big fan of that because I, we already know the answer to that mystery. So let's focus it more on what happens after. Cause the more interesting stuff in the comic books happens after that revelation. So uh, I, I think it's just, uh, I, I love the way that this story is, is laying out. And then it's just going all over the place, man. New Asgard on Earth to all these other different spots and then going to Olympus or wherever they're at, like meeting Zeus with Russell Crowe and, and all of that. And then, of course, Naked Thor, uh, which will probably be some people's favorite Thor, and I understand. So, like, it's just so much about this is so crazy, so wild, so silly, so fun. Um, but uh, that's, believe me, that's that's not all there is. Like, this this movie is going to uh, it's going to make you laugh, but it's probably going to make you cry, too, because this, this one really does pack an emotional punch. I think that that um, honestly, Sean, I think the advantage you actually have more of 
more of an advantage by showing them meeting right off the bat and then you building off the mystery of how she gets mulled there and how mm-hmm. it, it, it he becomes the audience like well well jane how did you uh how did you get the mold there you know and, and oh, they, yeah. they can play they can play it up so much for laughs and you know hemsworth is going to be amazing in that i can't wait to see his reaction and everything um trying to figure this out and then the weight of everything going on as as he learns or when he learns it's going to be really it's nuts and i think and uh like you said like i, I think it's i think it's only a, i think it's an advantage i think it's only a, a good thing and, and the right move to go you know you don't need to make a secret of it um yeah i i think this i think what's what's fascinating about thor love and thunder is that it's going to be it, where where does it leave thor at the end of the movie that's where i'm the most intrigued at as far as and also even jane at this point because you're you're showing us that that Natalie Portman's back in this movie. It could just be a one off, and 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 you know I, we don't know. I, I I have I have some suspicions, which if I, my suspicions are correct, oh god, it's going to be weird, and 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 not in a bad way, but it's going to be it's got well not necessarily what people are expecting. I'll just say that, and you might already know what I'm picking up uh, trying to lay down here, but but either way, um, I'm curious where this is going to end for these characters in some ways, and because. I don't know what what's going to happen. I mean, Chris Hemsworth is he have a lifetime contract as Thor? I mean, I don't think anyone's going to complain about that. <laughs> but it's just you know, where does he go from here? Um, and you know, does he continue on? Because it feels like the the MCU is is shifting directions of different characters, and the main MCU, you know, the big three, the Iron Mans, Captain Americas, and Thors. They're moving away from that in some aspects. I know we have Captain America 4 coming out soon, but where does it go? And I think there's lots of really interesting things because this doesn't feel like a finale, you know, and maybe it is and they're not billing it that way. And it's more of a surprise, but they're not billing it that way. And I'm very intrigued what that means for these characters and everything going forward, because you felt you could almost leave on on Ragnarok on on that note, potentially. I mean, you could have, but because, you know, Thor had kind of. He'd, you know, regained his, his people and he's ushering into a new era, you know, of, of Asgardian culture or whatever. But then, you know, Thanos comes in, whatever. You could just kind of end it there. But they didn't. And it can, it's continuing on. And obviously more money needs to be made. I get it. But uh, from a story standpoint, I'm just curious. I mean, because I don't think you're done with this character. But I do think that it's interesting where they're going to go from, I think, from, a, you know, a contract level. And what, you know, just how much does Chris want to keep playing Thor and what does it all mean? I, I'm just I'm very intrigued what, what, what we're gonna get because I feel that Marvel's done a pretty good job for the most part of keeping things under wraps. It seems like I know there's leaks out there, you know, whatever, but for the most part they've kept things under wraps. And I feel that it's uh I'm curious if they're gonna pull another thing where it's gonna be, you know, surprise, this is the last Thor movie. You know, and I I'm not saying it is, but I wouldn't be shocked if it was either. But you know, I you know, I don't know. Who knows? But I, I think either way, this movie looks incredible. I love Ragnarok a lot, um, and I this looks just like Ragnarok, but a little bit different in the best way possible. I don't mean that as a slight by any means. So I'm ecstatic for this movie. I'm I'm not as sure if this is, will end up being the last Thor. I could see how this ends in a way where it's like, hey, this is the last one, but then you know, years down the line, just kidding, here's another. So right, 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 right. like the idea of at least setting up a break, right? Like right. We're not throwing this to the next one, kind of like maybe a, a mid-credit scene from Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness seems to be throwing it right to uh, another Doctor Strange sequel. So maybe that's not quite what we get. 
out of Thor Love and Thunder. But yeah, I'm not really sure what direction they're looking at in the future. I know Chris Hemsworth has said that he's happy to keep playing Thor for as long as Marvel wants him to do it. And as long as they have interesting stories to tell, you know, you know, Standard answer for, you know, every actor wanting to keep smart playing these answer. things. Smart Great. answer. It's, it's, it, is the, it's, it is the smart answer, totally, because, look, why would you say no to a possibility that you haven't even been approached with yet, right? Like, in, unless, yeah. uh, you know, maybe you know you want to step away, but even then, just because you want to step away doesn't mean you'll never want to step back uh, into it. Yeah. And so I think Chris Hemsworth, he's kind of got a new lease on life with this character because yeah. of Ragnarok and Infinity War and Endgame, although now when you think about it, this is the fourth movie he's done as this Thor, right? Um, you know, or with this Thor evolution from Ragnarok to Infinity War to Endgame to now Love and Thunder. And so you could say, well, even with the new lease on life that he got with Ragnarok, that he's he he's used that up with this one. But I have no idea how he feels about it or what he thinks about his future as the character. I think as long as these movies continue to be this good and they continue to do very interesting things with the character and allow him to continue to evolve. I think that is the type of thing that most actors, including Chris Hemsworth would be very interested in. So by no means am I going into this thinking that this is going to be the last one, but knowing that Chris Hemsworth has, uh, has done this so many times and already played this part for so long. Uh, certainly I, I don't want to take it for granted either. in that, uh, there is this one, and there will definitely be many, many more. We never know how it's going to work out in, in that respect. So I certainly go into this wanting to appreciate it for what it is, and then we'll worry about uh, whatever's next with the character. Inevitably, we'll break that down. But um, I, I think there was another a point that you made that I, I really liked there, and that the idea of Thor finding out Jane is the mighty Thor so early, yes, gives... It creates the the exposition opportunity to explain exactly what happened because mm -hmm. Thor is going to be the one who mostly who wants to know even more than we do as the audience of exactly what happened exactly. and how this worked. Because <laughs> the last time he saw Mjolnir, as far as we know, was the last time we saw Mjolnir. It was in pieces after Hela shattered it. Well, now Jane has been able to put those pieces back together. Although, by the way, super cool idea that the pieces can actually come apart, that the hammer can still come apart, and now you have the, that many more projectiles from Mjolnir. Super cool idea. Love that visual in the Inspired. trailer. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, I think it is a way that... I, I think that power, which we've never seen before, because, hey, Mjolnir was all in one piece before, but that power, I, I think, honors what Jason Aaron wrote in those comic books back when Thor didn't know that Jane was the mighty Thor about the way this new Thor wielded Mjolnir in a way that he never did or he never could. And I, I don't think that new ability is, is necessarily going to be the only example of it, but it hints at that being a possibility or, or that being something, um, a, an idea, a, a bigger idea that's highlighted in terms of the way that Jane wields Mjolnir. And I think all of that is so cool. I, I don't assume, though, that Thor, like, and I think this is where maybe we'll get more of the backstory here. Like, I don't just assume that Thor never went back looking for Mjolnir. Like, I think he probably did. Um, and I think we'll, we might find out that Thor, like, collected the pieces and kept Mjolnir somewhere safe or something like that. And then Jane called it and there it went. And, and that was what we saw. Like, I don't, 
I don't think uh, in that field in Norway that uh, that Thor just left it there for anybody to find. Um, or maybe he had to leave it there because he couldn't pick it up and he couldn't pick up a single piece. So maybe it was stuck there the whole time. Um, but anyway, I, I'm excited to see that backstory just because I, I love the way they build these things out in the MCU mythology and, of course, how it compares to what we saw in the comic books. But all of that trivia aside, even though it's super cool, super fun trivia, I think this movie is going to be so great in all the places that that it counts the most. I think it's going to be a great time, like just an unbelievable time at the movies this summer. Um, but also, I think people are going to leave the theater feeling like they got so much more than they bargained for and got way more than their money's worth uh, because not only were they wildly entertained, but as the best MCU movies do, um, they they touched uh, you know they touched the heart of the audience. And uh, Thor: Love and Thunder, I expect to do that completely and then uh, leave people excited about the future regardless of what that might be for thor the mighty thor valkyrie korg gore the god butcher and on down the line um it's just uh so exciting but speaking of the futures of characters how's that for a segue that's what we're gonna do on the on the next episode of fan show plus uh which we will be putting out pretty much right around the time that you are able to hear this podcast so we are going to talk about the news of a new Daredevil series being in development for Disney Plus, and maybe that might have something to do with uh, the She-Hulk Disney Plus series. We'll explore those ideas, uh, and the whole TV-14 versus TV-MA thing, and as I teased moments ago, the futures of characters. So we had several characters who appeared in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, and we can't help but wonder what's next for the likes of Doctor Strange, also Clea, Wong, America Chavez... Um, should I say the other spoilery names? I guess so. Well, I said Clea. So yeah, Reed Richards. It's been a couple weeks since the movie's been out. So Reed Richards as well. We're going to talk about the future of these characters uh, in the MCU, where we might see them next, what we expect to see, and in some cases, who might be playing them next, uh, if it's not necessarily going to be the people we've already seen. So all of that on Fangio Plus, which is available at patreon.com slash Sean Gerber, or on Apple Podcasts if you search for the MCU Fan Show channel or Fan Show Plus, you can become a premium subscriber and get those episodes. Make sure you also follow us in those places you can. We are at MCU Fan Show on Instagram and Twitter. Paul, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Herman22 with two N's, a.k.a. P-Thug. Also, please follow my YouTube channel, The Comic Binge, where we do lots and lots and lots of deep dives of comics. And it's it's pretty much to all people who are new to reading comic books and is tr I try to make it new reader friendly for people to get, have fun and embrace the ideas of uh, getting more people to read the medium that I love so much. So lots of fun stuff there, lots of stuff to binge because there's a lot of, I've already got a lot of videos up there, but, um, but yeah, go check it out and uh, subscribe, like videos and help me out. That'd be awesome. Thank you. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Sean Gerber. So for Paul, I'm Sean. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.